So welcome back uh, to many of you, or welcome for the first time to some of you, since it is either your first time or the first time in a while that you've been here. Um, I'm Father Connor. This is Father Tim. Uh, we're the priests here at the Newman Center. Father Tim is new this year. Also, this is not normally where we have Mass. Uh, you may remember there was a chapel back behind that wall. There still is, but it's being renovated, so that should be done in the next month or two. So hopefully by the end of this semester, we will be in there in the brand new renovated uh, space um, for masses. So I'm looking forward to that. Please pray for the success of that. Also, um, I'm not going to preach about this mostly, but you can't just let St. Paul say wives be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord without saying something about that, just because it's like very easy to misinterpret what he's saying there. Basically, what, what Paul is saying is that the second part is what is most crucial. Uh, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's actually not saying what Christianity is not saying. The Bible is not saying is women need to obey men or wives need to obey their husbands in all things. It's that uh, it's actually calling husbands to a higher level of love. Like how does Christ love the church by dying, by submitting, by being totally available out of love to her, the church. So that's, that's basically what Paul is saying. Ephesians five um, is sort of controversial because it, it doesn't, it rings weird in our ears today, but what it basically is, is this great mystery of marriage, which is a symbol of Christ and his church and the, the perfect love that they have for each other, okay? That being said, uh, a brief story. When I was at my first parish, uh, which was on the far south side, uh, I got there and I was a, like a newly ordained priest and had just finished like six years of grad school and four years of, of college before that. And I hadn't really done much um, ministry yet. I mean, we did some stuff while we were being trained, but now here I was in a parish with all this knowledge, ready to share it. And I was like, what do you do? What do you like? What do you actually do as a priest? And I was sitting in my office one day and I'm like, I just got to get out of here. So I went for a walk in this town and I saw people in their yards, you know, playing with their kids. It was summertime. Um, Kids were home from college and people were were out for walks uh, in strollers with their kids, uh, people doing stuff in their lawns, like taking care of their houses. And I'm like, these are my people. Like, I'm their priest. How do you, many of them don't come to church, so I would never get a chance. But do I have the courage to actually like go and relate to them, actually talk to them? So I made a a resolution with the Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay, the next people I see, I'm going to actually just walk up and plow through the awkwardness and actually talk to them. And um, the first people I saw after I made this resolution in my heart was like six dudes hanging outside of a tattoo parlor, uh, looking at motorcycles and smoking cigarettes. And I, I just thought... If you were making a bad Christian movie and you wanted to like do the, like the bad guys <laughs> or whatever, the edgy outsiders, that's like tattoos, mo- motorcycles, cigarettes. And so I thought it was kind of funny, and I just went right over to them and uh, plowed through the awkwardness. And I, I asked them, I said, hey, guys, I'm Father Connor. I'm new at the church. I'm just trying to meet people. I'm wondering, why do you think so many people stop practicing their faith? And to my surprise, they all had opinions about that and they were all interested in talking to me about it and also interestingly most of them thought it was a bad thing that people stopped practicing their faith even though they all admitted none of them go to church none of them go to mass many of them are catholic or christian but they don't practice their faith anymore but they didn't think like that's good yeah the church is bad nobody should practice their faith they just had fallen away from it and they thought just like if you're eating poorly or you don't go to the gym it's kind of like I don't think this is a good thing. It's just, I don't do it. You know, it's not an important enough thing for me to do. Um, so 
fair enough. Then we, we talked for a while. And then I, I went into this guy's tattoo parlor. The guy who was the owner actually was like the most interested in talking. I went and sat down. He sat down. He's like, I have a question for you. I said, okay. He said, if there are so many different religions, how do you know yours is the right one? Like, you know, some people worship Jesus. Some people worship Allah. Some people believe in Buddha. What, aren't they all just like answers to the same unanswerable question? Aren't they all just as good as the other one so why why would you think that you have the one true faith or one true church that's a good question a lot of people wonder the same thing um my question to him was do you think that god is personal like a do you have to you have to say do you believe in god he said yes do you believe that god is personal meaning is he a person can he reveal himself like i am a person i can tell you my name i can tell you things about me can god do that in language that human beings can understand. Basically, can God reveal himself? Because if that's the the case, um, then I don't have to figure out the answer. It's not like who's the holiest or who's the smartest, and they're the ones that figured out the answer. Like Catholics are right because they're the best. No. It's that God has revealed himself, we believe, in Jesus. And by the way, no other religion claims that their founder is God. You know, they, they might say that their founder heard God or spoke to God or was a prophet of God. But we believe Jesus is God. The Son of God is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. This trinity of persons is God. And he's opened his life and, and, and revealed himself. And I asked him, he's like, oh, I don't know if I believe that God's a person. I said, well, has, he, has he ever spoken to you? And he's like, actually, yeah. And he told this really nice story about how he was on a bus one time and this stranger, this uh, older lady, said something to him that she couldn't have known meant like something very deeply comforting to him because he was going through this difficult time with his wife and his child who was sick. And she just said something as she was getting off the bus and it was like God himself speaking to her. And he's like, see, that's what we believe as, as Catholics is that the world is sacramental, meaning God is everywhere. He's hidden, but he makes himself known for those who have faith, those who have open hearts, open eyes. And that's basically what Jesus in the gospel today, we've been reading, if you've been going to Mass for the last five or six weeks, we've been reading from John chapter 6, which is the bread of life discourse. Jesus Christ is saying, I am the bread of life. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, otherwise you will not have eternal life. And it says, my, my flesh is true uh, food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever. He just keeps saying this over and over again. And people are like, are you saying like, like think about you when we eat bread and wine and like that's what you're talking about? He's like, no, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Of course, this makes sense of why we Catholics believe Jesus really meant it when he said at the Last Supper, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood, which will be shed for you and for many. That he was not speaking metaphorically. He was speaking sacramentally, like realistically, that this bread and this wine is the word we use in in the tradition is transubstantiated the substance of it is changed why we after mass put the eucharist in the tabernacle and genuflect before it and light this little red candle the vigil lamp is to say that this is jesus christ is present in the consecrated bread and wine and not surprisingly the people in in the gospel the people that were there when jesus said this many of them left even people who had followed Jesus to this point, seen the miracles he'd done, heard the preaching, and believed what he was saying, even believed maybe he's the Messiah, maybe he's even the Son of God, like he says. 
But this, like, eat my flesh and drink my blood, I don't get it. it. It can't be real. And so they leave him. And I don't know if you read this, but a few years ago, the Pew Forum did a study of Catholics, people who claim to be Catholic, whether or not they believed that the Eucharist was actually the body and blood of Jesus or whether it was, quote, just a symbol. Of people who identified themselves as Catholic, 63% said they don't think it's really Jesus. They think it's just a symbol. And of people who go to Mass every Sunday, 37% said that it's just a symbol. Even people who go to Mass don't think it's really Jesus. Many people. It's not any different than it was at the time of Jesus. This is a hard teaching. That's the first line of the Gospel. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? But for those with the eyes of faith, when if, if Jesus is who he says he is, if it's really true that God can reveal himself, even something surprising like this can be the case. After they start to leave or start to argue with Jesus, um, he says to them, what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He's saying, what if you saw me float up to heaven, back to the right hand of the Father? Would you believe me then? What if I rose from the dead? What if, what if you heard a voice from the cloud say, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Would you believe it then? And I think like, if you haven't had an experience like that, it's much more easy to understand that it's like, I'm eating Jesus's teachings or, or his, his ideas or love your neighbor as yourself. Instead of like the actual life force of Jesus Christ, the son of God is in my body and changing who I am and transforming me into someone different who can live forever and is like a saint, you know? Like the, the reality of what we're actually celebrating at the Eucharist, it's much easier to, to domesticate it, simplify it. It's like an idea that we're trying to be better people. Great, that's fine, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is something much more radical. And I will say, when I was in college, well, from the time I was like a little kid, actually, altar serving, I was always attracted to the Mass. I, I, there was something about it from the time I received my first communion. I was like, I understood that my, my CCD teacher when I was in Sunday school said, every time you receive the Eucharist, you get more of the life of Jesus in you. That stuck in my head as a seven-year-old. And every time I went to communion, I was like, yes, I can kind of feel it. I don't understand what that means, but I can kind of feel it. I was, went through high school. I kind of went through this like, stage of a doubt and I didn't really understand it. Maybe this is all just made up like Santa Claus, like your parents are just trying to trick you into obeying them or whatever. Then I got to college and I started going to Mass on my own and even going to Mass during the, during the week, and even starting to go to confession and like trying to live, it, live the, the Catholic faith more intentionally and with more integrity. And it became more attractive. Obviously, I ended up a priest. Like, there, there was something about it that just was like a center of gravity. But it wasn't until I was in seminary, actually, my second year of seminary, and I went on a retreat. And I was really thinking about leaving the seminary. I, didn't, I wasn't sure I wanted to be a priest. I was like, yeah, this, this seemed like a good idea at the time, but this seems really lonely, really hard. I don't know if I'm going to be happy. Maybe I just want a normal life. I'll be a good Catholic or whatever, but not, maybe not this radically ch- following Jesus. And I went on this retreat, and about five or six days in, I went into the chapel where I was at, and there was Eucharistic adoration going on. If you, I don't know if you know what that is, but we'll do it every day here in this chapel at 8 a.m., Monday through Friday, if you want to come. Basically, we put Jesus in the Eucharist, in the monstrance, which is this gold thing that shows the Eucharist, and we just adore him. We just kneel, sit, contemplate, meditate in the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I was in there, and I'm just like, okay, Lord, show me yourself. Show me who you are. Show me that that's really real. 
And I won't go into all the details, but basically something happened where after five or six days of silence and just begging God to show me who he was, it happened. It wasn't anything I did. It wasn't, you know, like some magic trick I did or I, I read the right words or said the right magic spell. It just was like a thing that, like a light switch coming on. And I realized Jesus is really present here. And if that's the truth, that he's come to be with me, how much must he love me? If the Eucharist is Jesus and Jesus is God and I'm just this little tiny creature who's a sinner, you know, I don't deserve this, that he would come to me in this humble way, that he would want to be with me so intimately as food is intimately present to my bones and my flesh and my blood. Like he wants to, wants to live in me and through me and give me eternal life. And I just like was there for 45 minutes saying nothing. And it was one of the most beautiful, beautiful experiences of my life. And I, wa- I walked out of the church that night and spontaneously just said, I can be happy as a priest, you know? And it was like when Peter, Jesus at the end of this gospel, after all these people are leaving, he turns to Peter, one of his closest friends. He says, will you leave too? And Peter, he doesn't understand what this flesh of, you know, and blood and Eucharist and bread of life, what this all means. He's just heard it for the first time. And he says, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. He's saying, no one's ever made me feel the way you make me feel. No one has ever talked the way you talk. You're unique among all voices in the world. You are the Son. You are the Messiah. You can say crazy things. You can ask me to do crazy things because you're God. And, you know, it's if that story intimidates you. So like, well, may, I've never had an experience like that, and I don't even know if I believe that such an experience is possible. I mean, that's fine for you, but I'm more rationalistic or whatever. Like, it's kind of like if you go to the symphony um, and you don't like classical music, and you're like, this is boring. It's actually not boring. It's because you don't get it. <laughs> like, I, I don't get classical music that well. I can't sit through an hour-long symphony with overtures and whatever. I don't even know the words. It sounds nice, but it all starts to sound the same to me because I'm not trained with a musical ear. The Mass, the Eucharist, the sacraments, the faith is like that. Sometimes it takes years of simply just going to Mass, being faithful, not leaving Jesus because this saying is hard, not domesticating the mystery and saying like, oh, it's just a symbol. I can take it or leave it. I can go to any church, whatever. It's all the same. No, what's happening here is unique. And even if I don't get it at first, like, it, can God reveal himself? That's the question. Is he personal? Is Jesus who he says he is? What if you saw me ascending to where I was before? What if you saw him rising from the... What if you realized Jesus is alive and present in especially the Eucharist? Would you open your heart to him? This year, as we start this new semester, we've got a lot of goals, I'm sure, a lot of things you're excited about. It's a new year. Will you let God in Jesus, reveal himself in a new way to you? Will you make yourself available to him? That's the question. Because if you do, he will. He will reveal himself to you in a new way. And that's my prayer for you this, this week, this day, and, and this semester.